Get on your feet and make some noise. It's time to rise up and join the rebellion with Tyson Smith. All right, welcome everybody to episode 18 of The Rebellion. I'm your host, Tyson Smith, and today we are here with Matt Weber of The Weber Group. Real quick, Matt, you guys crushed over $70 million worth of loans in like, what, 192 transactions last year or the year before? Year before. All yeah. right, dude, that is insane. Yep. Now, you told me that you had started this, what, in 2017? Yeah, so that's when I went off on my own. I've been in the business for just over 10 years okay but i was on a team so i was just structuring loans like for the first five years is and this just like residential loans yep just residential retail mortgage you know, okay we do conventional fha va but basically just residential mostly owner occupied okay so from what i've heard uh, about this industry and i i don't have a very good idea of it i'm wholesaling i'm pretty much dealing with cash transactions and i yeah. haven't even bought a house for myself ever um, I should say like a personal residence, bought investment properties and stuff, but that's all with like subject to and right. um, seller financing. Yep. Um, I've heard is that like really it can, it's really um, like market dependent. Like, you know, if like when interest rates were, you know, sub 3%, I had some guys that I knew who were, you know, like uh, loan officers and they were just killing it. Yep. But then all of a sudden when the rates came up, all of a sudden they were like, oh shit, like they're finding other careers. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, it was, I don't think it's, it, it's highlighted enough like how destroyed our business got last year i mean yeah. it was like to put it in perspective so 2021 that's when we did the most we did 77 million and we were averaging 16 loans a month holy shit and that kind of kept going through 2022 until like may and may yeah. was when it was like dude we just saw red and it just i was like okay this is going to clean up and it just got worse and worse yeah and then from May on, it was like, dude, I was averaging like three loans a month. So from 16 loans a month to three loans a month. And so you got to think like 16 loans a month is a lot more than the average loan officer is doing, like a lot more. Yeah. They're usually doing maybe four deals a month. So if, if you put that in perspective for a loan officer that was doing four, now they're doing one. Like a lot of loan officers were just goose egging it. There was yeah. just no business. I mean, it went from like 3% to 7% in like 60 days. So how do you how do you pivot out of that? Like, so it's dude, it's tough. And and um, how I got and I'm getting through it is, um, I it was, I had to just get really light and get really lean. Yeah, you know, like I had to just make sure that, like, I've got my reserves built up, and I can focus on things that I know are gonna, gonna push forward and grow. But I knew like when that happened. I knew business was going to be slow. Like it's really hard to pivot in that and make a bunch of money in that, or at least yeah. it was for me. There's some people that had their best months in that that worst part. I didn't quite crack that quote that code, but I knew I was like, okay, if I if me and my team were doing 16 loans a month and now we're averaging three or four, then what I really have here, instead of looking at the bond charts and, and watching them just look like crap every day, I'm like, I've got time. The past two years. That was the one resource I could not get a hold, get a hold of. It was yeah. too busy. Rates are at three percent. Your phone doesn't stop ringing, right? And so, if you took me back to twenty twenty one and say, "Hey, I'll give you you know a week of just free time where no one's bugging you, business stays the same," I'll give that to you for you know say ten thousand dollars. I'd be like, "Dude, show me where to write the check." Yeah, you know, I would have bought that time. Gotcha. And you couldn't scale fast enough at that time either. So, I'm looking at this like, okay, my 60 hour a week just turned to 30 
I got free time. Like people think of free time as like, oh, I can do what I want. No, that was free time. That time didn't cost me anything. Oh, okay. So that's when I like doubled down on some of the social media stuff, bought a bunch of equipment. Uh, I sold my freaking dream car just to stay liquid, just yeah. so I could just have just heavy, heavy reserves. What car was it? A GT3 RS. No way. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I made out well on it, and I and I sold it when rates, they we had lost like 200 basis points in a day, and I'm like, okay, we're feeling this in housing. We're going to feel this everywhere else. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I had the thing for a year, tracked it. Like, it was it was a sick car. But I still made money on it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a free experience to put 10,000 hard miles on it. Yeah. And but you it were was still like, able to get away on top. Yeah. I made like 10 grand on it. No kidding. Yeah. Dude, well, I, I, I mean, that would be a hard decision for me, I know, because I'm really into cars. And, um, but I think, I mean, it just shows where you're at a smart position in your life where you're like, all right, dude, I'd rather, let's get out of this now, yep. stay liquid. And then that can help me. And so did you reinvest that money into like your equipment and stuff for the social media? So I, I put that money right back in the bank and it was just yeah. to sit there. Just to, so I was like, okay, I'm good for years, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that point you got nothing to lose because you're taken care of and you know things are gonna get better and you're riding out this storm. Mm -hmm. When, it, and you know, part of that's an ego thing. Yeah. And it was, it was actually a really cool experience because that was my dream car. I mean, the thing was, it was I, I saw it I'm like that I didn't have a dream car till I saw that car. Yeah. And uh, what I realized through making those decisions is like it would feel a lot better to just have that cash sitting in the bank for my family. And then the the part of like the why I was like hung up on the decision, it I, what I dug deep and found out is it was I was wondering what people were gonna think. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's not cool. Like like you that was like other such people's a, opinion. Yeah. Like what are they gonna say if I get rid of the car? And I was like. I do a lot of like a lot of self-help work, a lot of ego work. And I was like, dude, that's a problem. My identity has become about a car. Yeah. And I, and it was, so it was a really cool experience. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I pulled from that. And once I was like, that doesn't matter, but like, let's look at why you cared about that. I was able to check myself and then, uh, and, and then, you know, sold it and didn't feel any different about it. Like I didn't feel like I didn't miss the car. Yeah. Whatever I'm like in at that moment in life, I'm obsessed with. Mm -hmm. And once that's gone or moved on, I don't I don't go back to that. Yeah, that's just how I am. Well, here's something I've realized, like um, like this watch. So I wanted a Rolex for like my entire life, and I like was so excited and um, finally hit some goals and stuff. And I went out and I went and bought this watch. And I, don't get me wrong, I fucking love this watch. Yeah, but now to me it's it's any other fucking thing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, eh, it's, it's yeah, it's great. I like it, but I don't like need to have this. Like it, a lot of the uh, thrill of it like goes away the moment you've got. Yeah, there. yeah. And so like that's something that at that time you did that because it was gonna make you happy. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's a good asset. It's it's a Rolex. It's still a good asset, you know. But at the time, it was like this is gonna bring me so much happiness, mm -hmm. and then happiness is just a feeling. So that comes and goes. Yeah. Right. And then with anything with spending you're gonna have that same thing it's like a drug yeah you're like really anticipate like oh when i get this i'm gonna be so excited and with cars i mean there's you just get a lot of joy out of cars oh well i like, think i mean for if you enjoy it like yeah. you know it sounds like but you, if, you if do it was like if you get a car because you think that's going to change something about your life to anyone else then that's a dangerous drug that's the problem yeah because it's not and you the dopamine hit you think you're going to get from it is not quite going to be 
what you think it is. Yeah. And then after that, it's, you know, the, the high runs off. And if anything else financially comes up, you're going to think about that. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I should have bought that car. Now you have remorse. Now you're having with and it's like it is literally like a drug. Yeah. I see what you're talking about. That's interesting. And I just pick apart everything like that. Like, go dude, how did funny. you get to the point? Like, I mean, you even just like talking about the, the self-realization of being like, damn, the really the reason why I don't want to sell this car is I'm worried about how it's going to impact me. And then being able to like course correct from there. I feel like just being able to notice that is something so huge. How did you get to the point where you can do that? So honestly, dude, I've been working with a um, like a counselor, like a mental health counselor for yeah. the past four years. And I started going to him because, and this is actually probably huge for anyone watching that's, you know, coming into success because I went through this, is I was making exponentially more money. Like my goal when I got into this five years ago was to make six figures. That was that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And then I went into it full speed and by the third month, I, you know, cut it, there was a check that was like 25 grand. I was like, oh my God, that's huge. Super excited about that. And then it grew exponentially. What I noticed is I was just stressing out more and it wasn't like, I wasn't happy. Yeah. And I was drinking at the time. And um, that's where, that's where I was like, okay, something feels off. Why do I not, why am I not more excited about this? Like, like were I'm, you not like fulfilled with yes. the success or like the money you were having? Like, did you feel like I thought this would be a little bit different? Yeah. Like if, if I thought a hundred K was what was going to do it for me, well, the first year I made like two seventy five, So that was almost three times what I told myself that was going to be enough. Yeah. And so I was just like, this doesn't, feel like enough it never feels like enough when is this going to go away and then i was always worried yeah and so that's when i started seeing uh this guy sean he's a counselor and um he just helped me understand a bunch of stuff like about yourself yeah about my stuff and and there's stuff that goes way back into uh trusting myself and and how i grew up and i didn't realize it like yeah it it just he went super deep fixed a bunch of stuff and then from there you know he's like he said he wanted to work himself out of a job but I'm like, no, dude, I'm keeping you hired. Because <laughs> I was like, I fixed a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, I was just supercharging my work and my life. Yeah. And it's someone else's perspective. And he taught me so much about ego, about happiness, peace, all that stuff. And he actually, I haven't drank for two years. And he got me sober. Was he, would, did he kind of like help you identify that maybe that was something that was? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, I, I owe him a lot of the credit for that. Because he saw, he probably knew for, a year leading up to that, that that's what it was, but I had to yeah. find it out for myself. I see. And so, and it wasn't like, whenever I tell people I'm sober, I'm never drinking again, it's like, people think I was like doing heroin in an alley. Right. No, what it was, was it was just casual drinking that got away. You know, and I've got three kids, a stressful job, a busy life, and so I'd get home on a Thursday and have a glass of wine. Well, that glass of wine turned to like bottles of wine mm-hmm. Thursday through Sunday, and then Monday was like panic attack anxiety. I'm like, I hate this. Holy shit, bro. You are, you're speaking like exactly my same thing. It's, and it's how we're wired. And yeah. whenever I talk to someone in like sales or, or an entrepreneur, it's like, it's the same thing. And, and I get a lot of questions on it. I'm like, I, for me, I'll get obsessed with whatever I'm doing. And that, that's what happened there. And he helped me realize that. And obviously I got, I got sober and I had to completely give it up. Like I will yeah. never drink again. I had to say that to myself. And um, yeah, from from that point on, I still kept him hired, and I still go to him because he just helps me understand like what's going on in my head. Yeah, and it makes things a lot easier. Okay, so it's interesting you say that. Um, I mean, I had like the exact same thing. It's like, dude, I 
like I, I love to drink, but it wasn't like I was like waking up shaking, like needing yeah. to drink. It was just like on the weekends I drank and I just realized like when I drank, I was drinking to get fucked up. Like I wasn't, you yeah. know, I, I couldn't just enjoy a beer. I wanted to have 10 of them. Right. Yep. yep. I can relate. <laughs> and then every single Monday, there's earth shattering hangover where I was like, I, I never got like, here's something like when I was drinking, like I could drink forever. Like I was never get sick or anything like that. And then when I got, like, my hangovers weren't, I didn't have a headache or anything like that. It's just I had, like, crippling anxiety yeah. about nothing and, like, super um, self-conscious. And, like, meanwhile, I'm trying to build, like, a wholesale business. And it's, like, I'm trying, I'm getting some success there. But then it's, like, I celebrate, have a big weekend, yep. fall off. And then it's, like, I've got to rebuild myself back up. And it was, uh, it was Templeton Walker who kind of helped me notice that. Nice. And just by like having a conversation with him and sort of, you know, him opening up the idea, like, you know, do you think that that might be something that's holding you back? Yeah. And dude, like that's like that's so spot on. And that's how what I learned is that's how addiction works is it finds like, it looks for pain. Yeah. Addiction looks for pain. And, and what you, you don't realize where the pain is. So it's like if you had a stressful day that doesn't feel good to be stressed, having that anxiety, it'll clear that. So you have a glass of wine and then you feel like. Okay, I had a huge, you know, a huge month. I need to go celebrate this, and then you drink. Like it's there to like capture any feeling you yeah. have and and be super convenient. And that's where it got away from me. And I was like, the craziest thing was once I was like, I'm never drinking again. Like this weight dropped off because yeah. I was worried that I was gonna like miss out on stuff. Like on you know, for my job, a lot of it's like schmoozing realtors, and yeah. realtors like to drink. There's there's no getting around that. And so I'm like, oh, am I gonna, am I gonna miss business or this that? And I'm like, no, screw that. I, I can never look at, am, am I gonna miss business because of this? Because that's how I built my business is working around those things. So, um, the FOMO dropped right away. Yeah. I thought I would have that, and then there's been no temptation, and it's just, I feel like it dropped that big dark cloud that was there. Yeah. You may have felt the same thing when it was like, that anxiety cloud and like worry, like I didn't know what was gonna happen in the future and. The timing was perfect because last year sucked and I was able to stay really focused last yeah. year. Well, that's something that I'm kind of like realizing myself because I told myself that like, I'm not like quitting for life, but I was basically like, I need to get some shit dialed in. Yep. And I told myself that once I buy my dream car, I want to buy a Lamborghini Huracan. And I said, once I buy that, like, you know, I can, I think I will have a better relationship with alcohol at this point. Mm -hmm. But I've kind of noticed, bro, I've been having like dreams and shit where like, I, it's like I'm having this like internal debate of like whether I should drink or not and I like wake up and I don't really feel right with it you know because yeah. I just realized how much better of a person I'm able to be without booze like maybe just on the health won't. side of it and like the yeah maybe maybe you'll get to that point and be like I don't know if I want to chances yeah I, I that's the thing is I you don't know? know that like I really do here's the thing is I miss like I miss like having like a glass of wine with dinner yeah like, out on a date with my girlfriend or like drinking like you know, having like a nice glass of whiskey, something like that. But when I look back at it, it's like, number one, are those calories worth it? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, but number totally. two, like, is this just like a slippery slope that is going to. And that's the thing, dude. I when I before I had kids, I wouldn't drink like every weekend. But when we did, I'd go out and party and it yeah. was pretty harmless. I had a hangover. I kind of for the hangover. It was when I had kids and it was the casual drinking was where it got away. Yeah. I'd never done that before. And then I played with the idea of, well, kids are screaming, work was stressful. Let's just take the edge off. That's where it got away from me. I That's see. where I really found my that that was an addiction for me. Okay. So something you said earlier, this guy, is his name Sean? Yeah. So 
you want to stay with him because it feels like it's allowing you to supercharge like your life right yeah. now. Like even though his goal, he's like, hey, yeah, we eventually, I want you to fire me. Yeah. And but you're saying, okay, I want to stay on with this. Yeah, because the thing is, like, we we went into everything so macro. It was fix these things that are giving you stress, anxiety, so you'll feel better, right? Yeah. Super macro stuff. And then what I'll do is I'll just take notes before I meet with him, and it's micro stuff. It's like I have to have a conversation with an employee, and this is how I feel about it. I'm holding back or I'm doing this, and he'll pick that apart in my brain and help me understand really? it. Yeah, and then it's like – I, I want to do this, but I'm afraid of this. Like we go through a lot of stuff with risk and he helps me like remind me to trust myself. It gives me more resources with stuff like that. Every time I leave there, I'm like, dude, this is like, pff, like mind no, no coach could do that. No coach because they're not they're The coach is there to regurgitate what they know and, and teach you like, you know, systems and whatnot to use. But like to go to that level where he's, I mean, he's a psychologist yeah. and to pick apart my brain, my individual brain, is like so priceless interesting dude well i feel like on one hand i think just having somebody to like talk to and get stuff out yeah helps so much with just your like own understanding like not even like you could be talking to a wall but just talking about it helps but then also having somebody that has like that acumen yep of the psychology side that's able to help you understand why is that what it mostly is is like, yeah it's, like, it, is it's he like, giving you actionable advice or is it just kind of like here's why i think that it's actionable, but he knows what I'm trying to do with whatever it is. And then when I'm saying like, okay, this is why I'm feeling like this. Like I, I'm hesitating to do this. And you got to be like brutally honest for it to work. But when I do that, he'll come back and help me understand it. But then also say, I think you're missing this. Yeah. And it's like this blaring, like that's what the problem is. Interesting. Or it's like, yeah, you're right. You are being afraid of this. Like there was, I don't remember what it was we talked about last time. There's some, something that's just not comfortable to do. Yeah. Right. And every time you do something that is that that he's like basically what he said this last time. And this is this is I took a lot from this was you're never not going to have stressful moments. You're always going to have that feeling. It was a loan that got that got screwed up. We ended up closing it, but it was just a nightmare of a loan. It was just consuming me like gut wrenching, like, dude, this isn't good. Right. Like it was things just weren't going good. And it was bothering me because like I wanted to help this chick. Mm -hmm. And he said the thing that that helped was he said, do you, would you rather not feel like that? Like, do you think you would have your success if you didn't feel like that? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And he goes, it's because you care. You're going to feel that. That's okay to feel that anxiety. It's okay to feel that worry while that's going on. Where it's a problem is afterwards. If you carry that with you and say, I didn't close this loan because I'm not a good enough loan officer, you're giving yourself pain and, and suffering. And that's suffering takes forever. That initial pain, that's okay. That means you care. That's the human part of it. And you either figure it out or you don't figure it out. But if you don't figure it out, you move on from it. If you don't move oh. on from it and you don't learn from it, that's when you carry pain and suffering. I see. So this is like the stuff he talks about with me. And I'm just like, like okay. where do you learn that stuff? You don't learn that stuff, you know? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, because when you were talking about that, it immediately reminded me of Matt Hoodie where it's like, um, so uh, guys who are watching, um, Matt also has worked with Matt Hoodie yep. and is fucking, I mean, you guys can see if you're watching the video version <laughs> of it. So like when I first, you know, I found him and it's like, I was like, dude, I'm going to be paying this guy forever. Like yeah. I want to have him to be able to look over my shoulder and help me with anything when it comes to like, uh, you know, my fitness needs. Yep. Do you think that that's a similar thing, but it's like with everything else in your life that you have also a Sean? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I definitely think so. It's that there's accountability piece, and then there's the because a lot of stuff too with mental health is that you don't notice it. Yeah. Right until you unpack it, and so same thing with diet. Anything like that is like, could you do it on your own? Yeah, you probably could, but then you're gonna. Why bother? Why make that part of your job when you've got all this other stuff going? Yeah. On? And it's same thing with mental health. Like I don't want to, I don't want to look at you know, like what Matt does. I don't want to look at progress of myself every week and say, I think I need to do this with my calories. I'm like, send him the pictures, do my check-in, and then follow what he says. And I'll say, hey, I want to cut or I want to do whatever. That I pay him for that, so I don't have to do that part of my life. And it's all it is is just following from there. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, with Sean. It's like, I know there's things that are going to come up, keep him on the schedule, and then you just it's constantly maintaining that. Dude, I feel like that's super powerful because I've just realized how much like in any aspect of my life that I, w I wish to improve upon, I value coaches and mentors. Yep. Whether it's I want to improve my business, I'm going to go find somebody that I can pay to help me do that. I want to get shredded. I found somebody to pay who can help me do that. But if I just want to overall improve my well-being. Yep. Now, here's the thing is I've always felt like like I've always been like a very happy person. Like I feel very fulfilled with life and I like a lot of stuff, but I always I want to continue to get better mm -hmm. and understand myself deeper and things of that nature. And I feel like that is it's kind of like a obvious thing that can help take you to the next level. Yeah. And you think, you know, like hiring a counselor or a therapist, like initially it's like, am I sick? Is there something wrong? That's why you'd go to that. And it's not the case at all. Yeah. It's just it, if it can help you, if it can truly help you and you're not doing it because it seems weak, that's just being stubborn because it's not weak person that would call that week could probably help a lot from that and so technically they're weaker for not doing it i see what you're saying if you're looking at it relatively you know yeah dude that's interesting like is it kind of the point where have you ever seen the show um billions yes yep so do you know there's wendy rhodes she's yeah. like the performance counselor at that at the hedge fund or whatever yes that's like literally what sean is really yeah so i saw that i was like dude that's that's sean okay <laughs> All right, dude. I'm. You got me real interested in all that. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. And and it's like think about how, like how important it is to have your head clear. And it might be stuff you don't even realize. Yeah. You know. Well, that that's something you said that where it's like with the diet piece is the things you don't know you don't know. Right. And you also just like live your whole life and you can do it, but it, it just takes one professional to be like, hey, no, look, like no, tweak that. Yeah, exactly. And how I can already see, like, diet-wise, how much that's able to change your life. Doing the same thing, but up in your brain and understanding yourself, like, that's got to be even more powerful. It is. And it's helped my business a ton. And there's some things that, they, like, I'm thinking of, like, pivotal moments that he's helped me with. And I think the biggest, there was really two big things were learning to trust myself. Because um, that's always been a struggle of mine in business. It's like, I'm always worried about the next month, but then the next month is always good. Mm -hmm. And it's just always in my head about that. And then this this other concept, because of because there's so much coaching, is it and it's hard for me to understand it, but he basically says you need to understand more and more that business comes easy to you and it doesn't come easy to everyone. So when you see stuff like if you're not doing this, you're failing, I'm like, Oh, that's like everything they talk about. And I'll I'll listen to like, oh, you need to make this many calls, do this much and this. I'm not doing those things, but my numbers are higher. And so it's a hard concept for me to understand that. And I think there, there's some other, I guess, magic to it, you know, and it's something else that I'm doing that I'm not realizing I'm doing that's bringing that success. But that's what you said. It's like business comes easy to you, and it's going to be hard for you to understand that. Okay. Interesting. So how did you build up your business? So 
that whole five years was just learning loans initially. So I just basically spent five years in, you'd consider that college. You know, like I was not getting paid much. I was maybe going to make 100K by the end of working on that team. When I went off on my own, it was, I at the time, I had uh, twins that were just turning two and my wife was pregnant. And I went from nice salary, nice bonus to 100% commission. So I was like, it's like the whole burn the boats thing. It's like, I'm, I'm, there's no, like, there's no getting around this. I'm mm -hmm. doing this. And so I, uh, I hit the ground running. I knew everything I needed to know about loans. And it was just a matter of meeting agents and getting them to trust me with their business. And so what I did is every single weekend, I wouldn't allow myself to come back on Sunday until I'd met five, face to face, five agents, I'd go into open houses, whatever it was. I had to meet and contact five agents and then follow up with them every single week or I wouldn't come home. And so what I do is I'd, I'd go hit these open houses. If I clicked with an agent, cool, I shoot him a text when I get in the car, call on that Monday and then start building rapport. And then the phone started ringing from that. It's like, hey, yeah. my lender didn't answer. Whatever it was, whatever reason it was for them to give me a shot, they started giving me shots. And then it all compounds from there. You get a, a lead in from an agent, they're a buyer's agent, you get to work with them and you get to work with their client. And then when they go under contract, you get to work with the listing agent. They may do business. And so you go after the listing agent. And so you just attack on all of that okay. and just do a really good job and stick to consistent processes. And then it compounds and grows from there. Okay. So is, is the vast majority, I mean, because when I think about this, um, I was telling you, like, uh, I'm, I might be looking to buy a house. Yeah. Um, like, once my lease is up in, what, five months or so. And... I was thinking, like, I, I don't have, like, a, a loan officer. and But my girlfriend just got a real estate license. And she's like, oh, no, we have this guy that we work with. And it was just automatic. She's like, oh, yeah, that's who we'll use. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of it is like that. It's got to be all of it. That's it's pretty like much everybody just kind of, of whatever their realtor says. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Here's a guy. Yeah, and, and that's because, it, and that's, the I think, the smart and responsible way to run your business as a realtor. Because your job from day one is to earn their trust. Like the more you can earn their trust, you know, it's not that it's a simple job, but that's, that's everything that it is. And then if they can get those resources for you, those third-party resources like lender, title, insurance, whatever it is, they have more control of the transaction, that trust continues. Yeah. If you say, hey, we'll go look at some homes, just go get pre-approved and we'll, you know, I don't care what bank you use. Well, that's gonna be a different experience. They don't have that yeah. control. And it's like, you trusted me, I trust this guy, you can trust this guy too, and I'm that guy. And so then my job when I get a referral is to just attack on trust. And that's where, that's where it gets, I guess, that's where it initially got confusing for me because you hear of all these crazy, like this person goes into all these analytics of each number for each rate option, this and that. And I'm like, my phone call, my script is like, I'm not kidding you, it's, I'll call the lead or the lead will call me, Say, hey, I got your information from blah, blah, blah. Said you were looking to buy a home, get pre-approved, have some questions. So tell me what's going on. And I just shut up. Because mm -hmm. they're going to tell you your pain point, and you're going to listen to them. People want to be heard. And they made the decision to buy a house. That decision's tough. That's a very stressful decision. Unless they're really into numbers, they probably don't want to make more decisions. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do, right? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I can go into five different options. Here's three to pick from. I would do this one. So I'm, I'm picking that for them, helping them pick that because they don't want to pick from five options. Yeah. They're like, well, I, everyone, every consumer for the most part is just going to do the best job they can. They're going to make the best decisions they can. People are rational. Mm -hmm. But 
they don't want to make those decisions. Yes. They may have five options. This one might be better than this one because it's not blatantly obvious this one's better than this one. But if I help them say, hey, this is probably the best decision, you know, do whatever you want, but I would do this one, they're going to feel like they made the right choice because they trusted me. Right. And that's your zone of genius, right? Yeah. It's where you can come in and be the advisor. Yeah. But this is the exact same thing I tell my salespeople is, look, here's the thing. People, do not, people are going to resist having to make a decision. Yeah. When we're buying these houses over the phone. Like there are going to be people you if you've done your job right, you're going to understand their pain point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're going to get why they're selling this house. And it's up to you to make sure that they make a decision, whether it's a yes or a no. Yeah. Like that's where it comes down to. And sometimes it takes a little bit of like having to really help people understand like why they need to make a certain decision. Like it's interesting. It's crazy how many people we talk to who are going to lose their house because like, oh, yeah. it's in pre-foreclosure or something. And they're going to lose their house, but they still resist making the decision. And it's like, they, they think that something crazy is going to happen. I'm like, look, dude, no person is going to come down, swoop through the heavens, and, and give you a full retail asking number. Like, right. if you don't want to lose this house, dude, this is what you got to do. Like, Yeah, and you're like, not necessarily making the decision for them, but, it's but you're earning them. their trust, and, and that's exactly what it is. And I think the tough thing about that is understanding that that's enough. Yeah. That that is enough. And and people are looking for trust. They're very we're very emotional creatures. Mm -hmm. Like that's just how it is. And so when it comes to home loans, super technical stuff. And I know it like the back of my hand, but to go explain that to someone that is just like super nervous about this big commitment, they're not there's nothing coming out of that. They're I just going to be more saying. confused. Yeah. They're like I'm comfortable with the payment. I have this much money. This makes sense. I'm like, trust me, you're making a good decision. There we go. And that's I, I it. love that. You know, they don't want to know the numbers because it's going to freak them out. For me, I'm going to want to know, though. Totally. <laughs> I, I totally. got to know. <laughs> I need to know what my interest rate is, how long this is going for. I'm going to need to look at the amortization table. Yeah. All right. Let's make yeah, a decision. Yeah, it's funny, dude, because, like, when I do loans for agents or investors, it's, like, it's either that, like, super technical or, dude, some, especially some investors I work with, they're, like, they don't even look at anything. They trust me so much. They're like, yeah, whatever, that, that payment works. I just right. lock it and do whatever. I trust you. Well, it's a testament to, one, the, the trust you built with them and that you just know your craft. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm really trying to tie all of social media in because, and you're doing a great job of it, it's you start building that trust before you meet somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, how cool is that on a huge scale? Oh, it's, it, I tell people all the time, it's, it, if you're looking to do something like in your life, any kind of like enterprising endeavors of yours, you need to be talking about yourself on social media because of exactly what you just said. People will, your reputation will precede you a lot more. Yeah. People understand what you're about and things of that nature. And they'll automatically, like there, there are people who just send me deals and they just automatically trust me just because they've seen the thing, which yeah. I'm glad they do, but it's like, like, you don't know. Like, I'm just a guy on the internet, like, talking. Right, you know? right, right. But. Well, and to your point, though, your stuff is professionally shot. It looks good. Like, your personal brand looks great. And I think that's, I think that's huge. I appreciate like, that. Like, you get on your page and you're like, okay, this is what this dude do. Does. Yeah. This is what this dude does. And he does it well. And you can see all of that on there. Yeah. You know, and you can see your personality on there and you're open about it. And I think a lot of the stuff with social media, because we, I mean, in our line, it's like it gets pushed heavy. They're like, you guys need to do more social, need to do more mm -hmm. social. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do it, and I, I am doing it. But to say that just do it to do it, 
I don't think that's the right approach. I think if you're going to do it, you got to go to level you're doing it. You got to go to level I'm doing it where it, it looks professional. You got to yeah. think, why would someone share this? You know, is this, does this look good enough? And is the message good enough to share this? That's a really good point. You know, and that's, that's the crazy thing I've been noticing with more and more of it is I'll look on the little share button. It's like average 15 to 20 shares on like every post. And sometimes it's the most random crap. Like this one time I got like 30 shares and half of them were from this real estate office in Utah. Yeah. And they kept sharing this with their clients. So if they're sharing this with their clients, that means it looks good enough and the message is strong enough to where they're using me as the news. All right. Like how crazy is that? Yeah. And so that's my goal. And if I don't think it's going to get shared, then it's back to the drawing board. Work harder. And the work harder is think harder. Yeah. That means I might be stuck in the writer's block or whatever it is. If the content's not good enough to put out, work harder on getting more creative on it and thinking, how can I make this better? Or maybe this is just not good content. And then yeah. you just, you got to think of better content. Well, I, I mean, I tell people, it's like, look, you, you need to think of what's the reason why I'm posting this video. Because if you're just posting it for you, then all you, then it has to matter mm -hmm. is that you like it. But for most people, they're like, oh no, I want to give some kind of value. It's like, okay, then why the fuck do you give a shit about how you look in it? Right. What do you mean? Focus on the words you're saying. That's what's important. Yep. Like, you know, put something out there that's going to help some people. And if you're worried about you, then you're just being fucking selfish and you're lying to yourself. Like, you need to right. You just care about what you look like and, and sound like, but that's for you, not for your audience. Like, yes. what are people getting out of this? And that's why, like, do some of your stuff is great where, um, like, you're on the calls. Like, yeah. That stuff's cool to see. Well, that, that's definitely what I think that, like, I can provide the most value to people is through doing those calls. Um, because I know that when I was learning, my like the way I learned best was by watching other people who knew what they were doing. Like there's this guy, Steve Morales, and he did these like Friday lives where for like two or three hours he would call sellers and I would watch every single one of them. Yeah. And just seeing him do it helped me so much in like building my confidence and also just picking up little things here and there. Um, not even about like things he was saying, but like how he was saying things. And that allowed me to have more confidence. And dude, here's the thing. If you want to learn and you want to get good at cold calling fast, I highly recommend you start live streaming yourself doing it. Oh, I can totally see that. Because you, you yeah. force yourself to play at like a higher level. Yep. No, dude, that's totally true. Because even when I, I had a, brought a loan officer on, I don't know, it was a few months ago. Um, and when he would sit in on the calls, I noticed that I was like, 10 times more sharp you're dialed in yeah you're making I'm sure like, you're doing everything yeah the way it needs not to overthinking it but just like oh cool i get to use this and, and i was like asking for more business and i was like i need to have someone sitting with you all the time yes, you're doing the <laughs> you little know? extra things yeah it's like the, the i can't extra... preach them if i'm not doing them yes i won't 100 percent. you know and that's and that's where i think the next step is for me is in having a branch right now it's literally just me a processor and an assistant but oh, that's, that's the entire like, that's thing. That's my entire thing. Right oh, now. I didn't realize, dude. I yeah. thought when you were saying, I thought that there was going to be some other people or. No, it's all this really tight because I, I just started a branch in July. Uh, basically, it's a profit and loss model, but it makes more sense to bring people on. What do you like, mean by that? It's just so a profit and loss. A normal model. loan officer is going to get compensated on the loans they close at you know whatever basis points it is. Right. So it's like all they have to do is worry about getting business in. And closing it they don't have to look at any of the expenses like some marketing expenses but like rent office supplies uh, paying employees like processors stuff like that so i switched over to that model in july and opened up this whole new world of managing every expense of the business rather than just getting this much of the commission 
you open the commission up a lot higher. Okay. But then you also are responsible for these, ex- these expenses. And when you bring people on, that helps your expenses and helps your branch. So that's what I'm, you know, shifting towards. But I'm I know how I am and I'm gonna be really picky about who I bring on. Yeah. Because and I don't say that isn't like that's what I deserve, because I've learned from myself if I'm not about like what this person's doing or like their I guess their energy you'd say. I'm not going to be able to give them my full attention. I'm with you. 100%. I got to be like really excited for this person to do what I do. If I don't see enough of myself in that person, I can't do it. Yeah. I just won't give them the attention. Then I'll feel bad. Yeah. Lose, lose then. You know, well, dude, I, it's so important. I think um, something that Andy Elliott taught me was that he was like, dude, the people you have around you, they need to be like you. Like, yeah. if they're not like you, dude, then they're going to, like, you're not really building anything. Like, Dude, yeah. what we have here, like every single person that's here in my office, like, dude, we're all just so on the same fucking mission. We all have like these same ideals. We all know exactly where we're going. And everybody loves to be here because of that. We're surrounded by people that are like us. Yeah, that's huge because you're you're operating like I am. We're in that one percent and that you need to be so freaking dialed in that when it falls out of that. I mean. Or if someone's operating in 5% and you're operating in 1%, you can't help that person at 5%. It's like, did you wake up at 4.30? Did you, like, are you right. doing those things? And it's like, oh, yeah, I meant to do this. I can't work with someone that says I meant to do this. Holy shit, dude. You know? I, I feel that. It's like I get, like, frustrated a little bit. It's like, dude, like, are we, are we on the same, like, page yeah. here? Like, are we doing the same thing? Now, that, that's something that I struggle with a little bit. Like, especially, like since I've stopped drinking and since I became so dialed in, it's, I've just realized like myself, like getting a little bit judgmental of when people are not. Yeah. And what I think that is what I've realized, I think, I don't know, maybe I could, Sean can help me with something like this. I think it's just me. Like I'm just getting pissed off for the version of myself that I know would, you know, succumb into yeah. whatever the, the thing that they're doing that I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Cause I, I totally get that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you have to have enough things lined up for it to work because I could, you know, I could teach someone three of the five things. If they're not getting the other two, I don't know. Like, I can't guarantee they're going to do what I yeah. did, you know, and I can tell if like, if my model is going to work for someone. Yeah, because it is a, a bit different. But it's I think the reason for my success is like it's consistent. I'm always consistent. Yeah. And if I don't want to like I don't. I don't think I would want to do cold calls like you do. I just, I don't, I don't know that that's me. And you know, maybe direct to consumer I would, but I didn't want to call 40 agents every Monday. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I'm like, okay, if that's, everyone says that's the way to get business. I'm like, let's just look at what's the goal. The goal is to get this many transactions and close this much business. Mm-hmm. This is a way to get there. There's got to be another way. And I'm always thinking like, there's got to be another way. And if I put enough energy into something I want to do, I'll make that the way. Yeah. And that's kind of how I run my business. And so what, what was that that you shifted to? Instead of doing the cold calls, it's like, it sounds like it's meeting them in person. Yeah. So it was meeting them in person because you just get a lot better connection. And then honestly, in, in my business, it's just not shutting up about what I do. Yeah. Like if, if I meet someone, they're going to find out what I do. Yeah. You know, and then they're going to have a friend that's a real estate agent or they're going to buy at some point, whatever it is. And then that all compounds. And so I realized I don't I don't really have to prospect that much as long as I just don't shut up about what I do. Yeah. And then social media is just leveraging that times 10. And now I've put so much stuff out there that 
if it's a friend from say high school or a buddy of mine that is sick of seeing it, they've already unfollowed me. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. I'd rather make money than worry about being a friend <laughs> yeah. on social media, you know? Yeah. And so now as the audience grows, these are people that are following me and interacting with me because of my business. Yeah. So that's all new. That's that's there's such a better, better crowd. Absolutely. I think that's part of the thing too, when you get really into social media, is like, are you giving up that part of your personality? Are your friends gonna get annoyed at this? The answer is yes. Oh yeah. They are. But what do you care more about? Mm -hmm. And I care less and less about like, oh, I don't want to, you know, cloud my friend's feed with this stuff. I'm like, I don't give a shit. No. <laughs> this is going to make me a bunch of money. Dude, I was explaining this to my girlfriend. I was like, did you know that it, it is absolutely free to post on Instagram? I can do it as many times as I want a day. And yeah. every single one of those is just free advertisement for me. <laughs> like, yeah. me just advertising myself. And guess what? I'm doing the same fucking thing on TikTok and on YouTube. Like, you can post as many times as you want. And, dude, if you don't like it, you don't see it. Don't give a fuck. You're not buying from me. Right. So right. This out. is more important to you than that. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but the more you post, the better the the algorithms take care of you. Uh huh. And it's a consistency. So I think that I think that's huge. And it's not direct business from that. It's like you just see the impact of it just on so many different levels. Like literally two days ago, uh, one of my agents put an offer in on a property in Flagstaff for a client of ours, and sends over the prequel. He's like, "Oh, you you work with Matt Weber." She's like, yeah, how do you know him? She's like, oh, I see him all over social media. Random agent flag stuff. There you go. And so this agent is already giving me credibility. I've never met this dude. I have no idea who this dude is. And that's what those efforts do. So how do you go back and say, what's the conversion rate on that? You can't. Right. You just know you have to trust your gut. Like, like this is going to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm all in on it. Well, and, it. and you just have to be open. Like, for me, like, when I started it, like, it's not like I was expecting to get deals or anything from it. And I don't. Like, it's not like from my social media I'm getting, like, jv deals or anything like that but i do get so many other kinds of rewards like of just what it's opened up my network to and things of that nature like because when people see you're serious about something yep you know they'll you know and you're putting in the time the work the effort to show other people it gives you that next level of credibility and yep yep it's the new business card i mean it, it really is yeah. and your resume all in one right i had somebody really ask me for my business card i was like bro you can look me up on instagram <laughs> yeah. like I got my shit on there. Like that's gonna be yeah. a way better place. Here's my cell phone, and yeah, yeah. find me on here. Because yeah, business cards get thrown away. I I don't even have one in my wallet. Right. I've got stacks of them just to have, but yeah, it doesn't. It's a different world, and and I think it's cool. And and it's to me, I like. I'm not afraid of the change, but if I resist change, like if anything's shifting a certain direction, that doesn't feel good. So it's like go with it. Yeah. You know, go with it. If it's gonna be social media or like. Dude, we're business professionals, and this is this is how I show up to work. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny that uh, like I think it was Bradley that just put a video out about it. The it suits, like, yeah, the suits. I, suit I was like, dude, that's my jam. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, yeah. If now I see if you're wearing a suit, it's like, who are you working for that's yeah. making you wear that? Yeah, it's a statement. Yeah. you know, and there's there's definitely certain generations that don't necessarily get it, but for me, that's kind of a challenge. I like that. Yeah. So like, if I have, I rarely meet with clients in person, but if I have a older Let's just say an older couple comes in because they want to meet in person. Uh huh. I will still dress like this, and they'll like I'll watch, I'll feel them looking at my tattoos. Yeah. Like I'll feel that, and then like this wall up, and I'm like, I'm excited about breaking that wall down. Yeah. Because they're gonna because if they are judging me as in this guy's young, who is this person? Like if they're super judgy, then that's just all the more for me to blow their minds with like, hey, I'm gonna teach you some shit. Like 
I know my shit. Like it's yeah. exciting to me to do that. To well, break I, that. It, I think that that more people need to learn from that is that instead of like being like, oh, I'm setting myself up for failure or anything like that. It's like, no, I'm giving myself like this extra opportunity to wow them even more. Right. Because not only like they expect the uh, slick, you know, shark looking guy in the uh, in the suit to wow them. But when I can do it how I am, just me. Yeah. To me, that t- that many, you know, that much more powerful and authentic. Oh yeah, because the suit there's there's always going to be something with the suit. Like, where are they making their money? Mm-hmm. If I don't care what I look like, well, I, I obviously care what I look at. But you know, if I'm like I'm going to be my authentic self, yeah, you actually get more trust from that. Yeah, because it's like no, I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. Absolutely. I'm just here to do your loan. And just that 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 level of like confidence in yourself, just to be who you are. I yeah. feel like that that shows. Like people can feel that as well. I'm the same way, dude. Like, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I wear tank tops to the office and shit like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's who I am. I don't need to, it's always funny when people come in and they ask me, like, hey, what do I need to wear? It's like, dude, I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Come clothes, that's Be it. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do whatever. Exactly. But, but I think that something that is important is when you, when you look good, when you feel good, you are going to perform better. So I think yeah. it is important to do whatever it is that makes you, you know feel the best like uh so our director of operations mitch he likes dressing up he likes wearing suits and that's what he does and but that's him like that is just that's how he is it's not like he's doing it to act a certain way it's just like that's what makes him feel good so totally agree totally agree and and, i mean to that too is like i feel like i couldn't use an exact example but um when I was first kind of getting moving in the business, there were a couple, there's not a lot of loan. Now there's more, but not a lot of loan officers like, you know, dressed like this. Yeah. But then you'd see, you know, I'd, I'd watch some, I don't know, podcast or coaching seminar. And it was some dude that was like totally casual and it was just like all tatted up, but like so confident and so smart. when he was talking about like, dude, that's freaking gangster. Yeah. He stuck out for that. If a suit says it, you expect that. He said it, and he says it with such conviction. I was like, that's badass. Like, that's cool. Well, that's what, I mean, that's all the people I look up to, I'm realizing they're all, like, jack motherfuckers that are, like, covered in tats, like, wearing black T-shirts. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah, it's like this, I don't give a shit, I know my value kind of thing. I love that. Yeah, me too. It's sick. Yeah. Uh, One thing I want to ask you, because it seems like you'd be a good person to give me advice on this, is I've realized that, like, since I've stopped drinking... Um, I have a little bit more like social anxiety. Like I'm, I'm so much more of a hermit now. And also with like the dieting and everything where I'm just like so dialed in, it's like, I don't fucking go out. I don't see people. I don't do a lot of that. Like I see people at work, but it's like, I go to the office, the gym or I'm home. Yeah. Um, did you have that same problem or? Um, yeah, I would say, um, kind of the, the part of it that I still, I'm still pretty social, and I mostly will just do it for work. But the other side of it too is I've got three kids. Oh yeah. So it's really easy for me to just be like, do I want to go hang out with friends or go hang out with family? So yeah. like, it's that my time is finite. It, yeah. It's much more finite than it was. Um, but my job does require me to be social. The more social I am, the more business I get. So um, the social anxiety part of it, for me. Like, I just come right out of the gate and say, I don't drink, and I don't mind being around it. I like being around it. Yeah. And my, all my friends know that. Like, I'm okay. going to the Open tomorrow, and yeah. we're I'm going to go hang out with people that are just being drunk idiots all day. I, I like it. Yeah. It's entertaining to me. Um, but I get that out of the way right away, and um, I'm not super social, so I don't have to deal with that as much. Yeah. But it's it is, it's definitely a thing, you know? 
Well, I've just realized, like, for me, is I've like, I kind of, I like, like do you miss one, it though? Well, one here's the thing is, no, not really. <laughs> I like, don't, but yeah. it's like I used to be like I was the life of the party kind of guy. Like, you yeah. know, I'd come and I loved talking to everybody and doing these things. And now it's just like, no, I don't. And I've I found that I get like very annoyed quicker with like people who are drunk. Yeah. And like now that's not to say that I don't want to be any around anybody who's drinking, but like I, I just have a certain tolerance where it's like, all right, dude, I like everything you're saying right now is just yeah doesn't matter and i think the i think that's a the tough part there is that's a stage of life thing i think um and that's it's like that's just not i don't know if that's a thing anymore like i i i do the same thing with some friends that aren't um they don't necessarily fit in my circle if that makes sense you know like i'm i'm really big on being positive to everyone and there's some people that just they like to poke and tease and they oh, i'm just giving you shit i'm just giving you shit and especially when it's like if anyone gives me shit about success, I'm like, shit, I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I like, you were a cool dude. And now you just, you're just off. You're, you know, and it's like, it sucks because, like, I like that person, but I just know that person doesn't bring value to my life anymore. Yeah. And so maybe it's something similar to that. You know, it's like that, that thing that you used to have just doesn't bring value anymore. And that's why you, you know, maybe you, you don't realize you don't like it. And there's, you know, you're, I mean, the stuff you're doing now is way more fun than i i think so (laughs) that's the thing is i've realized it's like i mean i get more fulfillment out of the shit i do now and i just enjoy it more it's like i yeah i don't want to go to like any kinds of like things unless i know that i'm going to be around people who are like going to be talking about the same kinds of things like it's very selfish of me but i'm like dude if if i'm not going to go and we're not going to talk about how we can make a bunch of fucking money and take over the world like i don't really want to be having the conversation yeah yeah and you know uh, uh, to that point i think that uh those social interactions you just keep them shorter and shorter there's this dude i follow um his name's brian decker he's a loan officer and he's like exponential growth and he puts out really good stuff and there's one thing i took away he was talking about drinking and he said he still goes to these events it would be like let's just say a mortgage event or something like that and everyone's drinking but he said he noticed that like the billionaires or like the super successful people would hang out for like one drink and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And that's what he realized. Like I can still go there, be social, have my drink, but then I'm gone. The people that were staying were just not, they weren't growing, but these super successful people were still doing these things, but they called it quits right then. I see. And they were out because they weren't getting any more value out of that. They, yeah. they did what they needed to do and they got out because their time is more valuable than that. It was I more see. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. And I want to say, because your content is super amazing, like for people who, who are interested or looking to buy a house or anything like that, you put out some super helpful stuff on there. Where can people see you at? Uh, it's mweber888. I still haven't changed it. It's from, I don't know, whenever Instagram came and Facebook <laughs> came out. Uh, mweber888. I'm going all off my personal page now. It's got my contact info on there. Yeah. Um, and that's it's that's my cell phone, so that's really the easiest way gotcha. to reach out to me. And so on Instagram, M, M Weber eighty eight 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 eight. Yep, eight eight eight. Yeah, three if eights? you just search, yeah, three okay. eights. If you just search Matt Weber, it should pop okay. up. Okay. Um, are you doing anything on YouTube? No, but I need to. You got to start doing things on YouTube. More long form. Yeah, that's what um, our big push has been, and it's I like it so much better because you can actually get enough yeah it's like i mean because so here's the thing is i struggle with like the number one is i want to provide value but also i understand what the platform's looking for and who's watching and it's like i feel like i've got to spend too much time like gaming the system with like these hooks and like having to 
shorten things down and sort of dramatize things so that it sticks better. Yes. Because it's a quick attention span. But yeah. the thing is where I can actually help people is when they go to my YouTube channel, I can fully talk about something and, you know, really, I feel like it's more helpful. You know, it's like, and also I just think that people who are really wanting to learn something, they're going to go sit down on YouTube. Yeah. People don't go to TikTok to learn how to do something unless no. it's to make some shitty recipe. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. I, that's, that's my, that's my next step. Yeah. It's getting that dialed in. No excuses. Yeah. So, um, Walk me through, um, if I'm wanting to buy a house in five months, what do I got to get figured out? Because I'm, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. My, my girlfriend, she has a W-2 income. Nice. Um, but, like, what, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, I bought cars, and they're, I'm yeah, pretty much totally just showing them different bank process. statements. Yeah, so um, what we're, you got to just break it down to the basics of what underwriting is looking for and what, and really what, a sellable loan looks like because the reason interest rates are not even higher is because it can be packaged up as an investment and it fits a certain bucket so if you're self-employed the biggest thing is going to be tax returns we're going to be looking at history of income likelihood of it can to continue mostly history of income your timing is probably spot on because you probably haven't filed your taxes yet no so that's nice and i might run some compliance crap on this but you you can not necessarily pick your income but you can decide right now what you want it to look like so we would go off of two years tax returns uh and we're gonna go off the net and then add things back so if you've got crazy write-offs then that's where you'd back those off that year you okay. pay the man you deal with it yeah uh, but there's also things like depreciation those that can be added right back so it's just with self-employed it's sometimes it's harder but a lot of times it's easier and it's just two years tax returns sometimes one uh, that will depend on how much you're putting down, credit score, and a couple other things. But I would say expect two. It's a 24-month average. We're going to use a 45% debt-to-income ratio of the net income. 45%. That would be conservative. It could probably go up to 50. Okay. Because something I, I really want is, I'm telling you, I want to buy a Lamborghini. Yeah. It's also going to, like, it's looking like it'll probably be the same time I'm also looking to buy a house. So if you could lease it through your business without personally guaranteeing it. Yeah. That would be the way. That's the way to go. Yeah, if they run your credit, different story. Okay, so I got to figure out how to do that because I don't. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I know I've people talk about it, or whatnot, but yeah. I mean, all my cars are that I've had are just owned under my personal name, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, and with the lease, you can write up one hundred percent of your lease on your taxes, even if it's. I thought that was only if it was a certain weight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Which um, I, I'm looking for. I want a sports car. I'm not yeah. want to buy like a Urus or something like no, that. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, so you, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that side of it. Now, what I did for my GT3 RS, instead of just paying just cash for it, is I had a brokerage account with a big chunk of money in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I think it was on the 450 in that. And I did an LMA loan on it, which is an LMA. Yeah. It's, I don't know what LMA actually stands for. Okay. It's a liquidity loan. So if I've got X amount in it, they let me borrow up to 60% of that and keep it invested so it's sitting building no shit yeah dude it's sitting there growing in the market and the the rate at that time was like 1.8 percent interest only so i pulled out 140k and then put that towards it paid the rest down so my money at that time was growing at like 12 percent, and the rate was 1.8 percent. so i was actually making money owning that car what the yeah holy shit okay so that's some gangster shit right there yeah so you got to get it into a brokerage account where it's invested and then because 
the bank or the brokerage account, let's just say that that's, that's Morgan Stanley in that case. Morgan Stanley wants to keep making money. They want to keep proving that they can perform. There's more money out there in their portfolio. So they're like, hey, instead of you taking this money out and paying capital gains, we both win if you just borrow this and we're going to lock up 140K of this. So if the market dropped in half, we take your money. Like, okay. Or I have to come up with that. There would be a margin call. Yeah. But there was, an, it was, I mean, it was like 50% or 40% or whatever it was. And so they're saying, we'll, we'll let you just pay interest of 1.8%. We'll keep your money invested so it keeps growing. Here's the cash for the car. Wow. Yeah. So th- as I understand it, that's what these like super rich motherfuckers are doing. Like they're just like, like with all of their money, it's like they don't like make any money. They just have all of these well, assets. Here's why. Because let's just say you've got five million in this brokerage account that you've had in there for 25 years and it's growing. It's got a bunch of gains in it. If you take money out of that, you pay cap gains. Never realize it. If you borrow, you just pay interest. You that money you borrow, you don't pay yeah, taxes. Yeah, your your one point eight percent burn is way better than that forty yeah. percent fucking slash exactly. to the tax man. Yeah. How does how are the payments done on that? Like they just I didn't even know they were happening. He just set it all up. He did it all for me. I just said put it on auto pay. God, that's the shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it, it was that's a cool system. Yeah, because I mean, I always see people talk about, and I know there's a million different ways to do this. You can have in a brokerage account, you can take loans out on that, or you can have a whole life insurance policy, yep. taking loans out on that, or you have a, you own a property and you can take out loans on that and use yep. that to buy shit. Yep. So it depends on on how you'd be taxed on whatnot, but yeah, I mean, if you're a business owner and, and you can write any of that off, I mean, that's that's the way to do it. Well, that's what I want to figure out is I need to talk to a tax guy and he'd be like, here's the thing. Look, I make a lot of content and then like and you figure out some way I can spin it where it's like yeah. this is a legitimate business expense because it will be like 100 percent. You know, and it will be in your marketing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, look, dude, you know? I got every single one I of know these there's videos, a way to do it. I know there is. Yeah. Yeah. I need to find that guy. Yeah. I can talk to. That can yes. help me out. See, that's the thing. I'm all about I need to find the person who knows whether it's. Matt Hoodie and Nutrition, or it's Sean who can uh, help me with the mental health and supercharge my performance. And you find the tax guy who can yeah. be like, so if you guys are listening to this and you know a tax guy yeah. uh, who can help me out, send me some referrals. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think um, uh, building a team like that is so important. Um, so how old are you? 35. 35. And you have three kids? Yep. Okay. Tell me about them. Uh, seven-year-old twins and a four-year-old. Maybe she just turned five. I'm gonna get in trouble for that, <laughs> dude. I'm the worst with like birthdays oh, so and shit bad. like that. So bad. She's four. Um, yeah. So the twins. Crazy story with that. I won't go too into depth with it, but um, that was like part of what pushed me to to leave the team and then start my own thing. Because we found out we were having twins. It was like, oh my god, that's crazy. We're super excited. Well, 18 weeks in to the pregnancy, we go in for a, a ultrasound scan. And they were taking way longer than normal. And then the doctor comes back in and she's like, hey, we got to take you to high-risk OB. We're like, oh, shit, what, what's going on? So there's something wrong with the heart for baby B. And we're like, we, you know, we're, that's just like panic mode, right? Yeah. Go to the high-risk OB and found out that Zoe, my daughter, was going to have what's called HLHS, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So she was actually going to have half of a heart. So where we have four pumping chambers, she has two. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we found that out, and then, um, let me see, we had Zoe, and uh, she was into surgery nine days after being born. So we started at Scottsdale Shea, that's where we delivered, got rushed over to uh, Phoenix Children's same day, 
My wife's stuck in the hospital. She had some blood pressure thing with my son. I'm over at PCH with my daughter. Nine days later, she had open heart surgery and they were stuck there for like 10 weeks. Uh, and then she had her second open heart surgery six months after that. And then the third one, I think when she was four, three or four. Holy shit. Yeah. So what, 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 like, what's it like now? Like, is she able to? You would not know anything's wrong with her. Really? Can yeah. she do like all like physical activity and everything like that? Yeah, she'll get exhausted quicker, but recently she hasn't because she, we actually, this last year she went and she had to have a, a calf and they widened a couple of things, fixed a couple of things in there. Yeah. And it opened up the oxygen more. So now she doesn't get as exhausted as she did. And um, it's crazy, dude. So we run on like a figure eight where we pump blood in and out of our heart. Well, when her blood gets done being used, it doesn't go back to the heart. It bypasses the heart and goes right to the lungs. So it's like she's on a circle because she only has one side of her heart. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. So with that, dude, I mean, you got to think of what I went through with that. I mean, you're seeing my daughter with her chest cut open. And, and I, anytime I'm super stressed out, I can go back to that and be like, this is not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that adversity is like I can always go back to that, and and I can go back to that too when I'm being hard on myself because I'm like, remember, like, like I chose to be positive in that. I chose that, like, w w even when we were in the hospital, like I would literally stay overnight with Zoe, go work the next day, every single day, because I knew when we got out of the hospital, because we were getting out of the hospital, she needed a home to go home to, to go back to. And so I chose to be extremely positive through that yeah. and then set that and, and know my role in that. Cause it's confusing for a dad. Like, do you stay there all day? Right. I'm like, no, I trust these nurses. They're great. I'm going to leave them. I'm going to go work. My duty is to provide. Yeah. And we're going back. We're going to be back home. All of us are going to be together. I don't want to come home to a financial burden. Dude. Talk about a fire under your ass. <laughs> yeah, dude. So this is something that uh, I've been talking about. I talk about this with my dad and with Mitchell and it's like, I feel like, um, like especially with men like when we have some kind of traumatic event and it doesn't have to be you know your your newborn daughter is getting open heart surgery but whatever it is whether you know you just suffered a breakup or you got fired from your job or whatever it is you have two choices like you can either fucking wallow in that or you can decide am i going to be the guy who's going to get past it am i going to use yep. this right yeah and that's where I, I we made that choice i mean we made her and i made that choice together when we went to that high risk OB. Yeah. So you and your when, wife? Yeah. Like like our attitude on it. Yeah. And that was we were in the parking lot, broke down crying, composed ourselves, and then got right down to like, what are we gonna do about this? So at that time she was between jobs and she didn't have insurance. And okay. we were cash paying everything. So I was like, shit, I gotta get your insurance. I call HR. They're like, we can try and do domestic partnership, but it's gonna be tough. And I go, What if I'm married by Monday? And this was on a Wednesday. She's like, yeah, that would work. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll send over the paperwork. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, we get in the car. We go to the, we also at that point named her Zoe. We're like, she has a name. She's a person. She's yeah. a survivor, right? And so we go to uh, the courthouse, get all the docs, find some dude in Sedona, drive up to Sedona that weekend. I buy a suit. She buys a dress. There's like four people at her wedding. Got married, came back, got her on my insurance. And that was the attitude we had Holy going shit. into all that. So we had like the smallest, most meaningful wedding ever. Wow. Yeah. Well, dude, here's the thing, man. I I love that. Look, you got dealt the shittiest fucking hand of all time, but mm -hmm. you learned, you played it, right? Yeah. Where I see some people that get dealt with a shitty hand, and all they can do is bitch about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they just they, yeah, and they fall victim to it. Yeah. And they let everything else crumble around them, and I'm like, you don't have to do that. 
Mm-hmm. It's convenient and maybe even comforting, but it's not good for you. Yeah. It's not. Well, when you just start to live in the past about things that have already happened, like this is, this is another something we're always talking about is, dude, we do not want to live in the past. Whatever has happened has happened, and we got to move on from there. Yeah. But, like, that's why we're all uh, only focused on the future. What can I do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because everything that's happened, that's, you know. You're, yeah, exactly. Well, even with the future, too. It's like focus on the future and plan, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Because and this is something that Sean taught me, too. He really helped me a ton with this is that the past doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist anymore. The future doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is now. Because the fut- can you do anything in the future right now? No. Nope. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't be there. You don't know. The past, you can't touch that. That's already happened. As close as you can get to right now in this moment, in this little bubble of yours, is all you have control over. That's Jesus it. Jesus Christ. That's very grounded <laughs> yeah. to think about. And, and that's where I've just really studied the, the mind, my mind, and, and, I, it, and it's putting in habits. Because it's just like saying, if you stick to this diet, you'll look like this. It's one thing to say it, it's the next to do it and practice it and stay on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly working on it. Yeah. It's, I'm not, I'm, I have, do not have it mastered at all. Well, well back to what you're, what you're saying and you're talking about this idea is all you have is right now. Yeah. And humans are always going to revert back to their habits. They're going to do whatever subconsciously their body and their brain is accustomed to doing. So you have to be conscious about building these habits that are going to make sure that you subconsciously do what needs to be done. Yeah. And then you just get better and better with practice. Yeah. That's something you said earlier. It's like, I'm consistent. And I realized that that's something where it came from, like cutting off drinking. It made me more consistent is every single day I wake up at the same time. I do the same exact thing when I wake up every single morning. And just because of that, it's compounded on itself where it's like, that's why I look the way I look. That's why I'm able to have the energy to do the things I want to do. And that's why, like, it's just, it fucking builds. It's not luck. Yeah. It's not luck, and it's not, like, this little grind period. It's consistency. Yeah. I can I can guarantee that. Yeah. That, and that's another thing is, I, it's when it comes to, it's not this little period. It's like, no, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And it's like, also, is I, I start to, you start to love it. Like, you know, I, I love going to the gym. I love that, like, I am so controlled about what I eat and I measure everything and I know exactly what I'm consuming every single day. Yeah. Because that's just part of, like, my process. It's what I do. I love doing it. And also, I kind of like that most people won't do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, uh, that is one thing that I do that I know you can never do. Yeah, you, well, and, and that's where, like, you can't, you can get lucky and make money. Mm-hmm. You can't get lucky and get in shape. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't, dude. Like, you, you can't, it, even drugs won't do it. Right. It's and it's the one thing, dude, you can't like you can't buy it. Nobody can take it from you. No, it's it's just something you got to earn. You can't cut around it. And that's why I like that's why someone's in shape. Like all the respect. Yeah. It's tough. It's well, tough. And then, you know, like like you're saying to that, too, it's it doesn't then when it's like it's an inconvenience to eat out. Like, I don't want to eat. Out. I'm not going to enjoy that because I'm like, a, I have to account for more calories. Plus. That might throw me off, and I'm dialed right now. I don't want yeah. to fall off being dialed. Dude, that's what we, I was. So I'm talking about because my dad's also he, he's working with Matt Hoodie, and he's lost a fuck ton of weight, and now he's ready. He wants to get jacked. Yeah. And it's funny because we we're talking about that. It's like, dude, I don't want to like I don't want to go get dinner or anything like that. No. Like, yeah, dude, look, I love getting that food, but like I got things that are more important, and anything that throws me off of that, fuck it. Like, I'm yeah, not. or like that day you were in the gym and like you just were like, holy shit, I didn't know I could look like this, and then that night it's like. You know, if you're gonna go out for dinner, I'm like, no, oh, I want to look like that tomorrow too. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, and that's the best thing about like it. See, I think that everything starts 
anything, everything starts with your health and your fitness. Yeah. I think that it's because once you do that, once you go, make that commitment to go to the gym, it makes it so much easier later in the day to not also get a cookie or whatever it is to make the healthier food decision. Yeah. And then when you start doing that, then it's easier for you to be like, okay, no, I know that I need to, like for me, I know that I need to sit down and I need to hammer out some calls. Yep. I might not feel like doing it or anything like that, but I know that that's what needs to be done. Yeah. And you can always go to that. Like you're, you're, you can put in the work with fitness and always get the result with work. It's different. So like so you, I can't consistently show up and like, oh, if I do this thing, I'm going to look exactly like this. So you can do mm -hmm. that with fitness. So that can be a constant. It's 100 percent in your control. Yeah. Like, so you use that for your success and you bring it to everything else that doesn't have that's a little bit more variable. Yeah. And then you can stay consistent with that because this other thing, it's just like the whole like you if you want to have a, an A plus life at work, you got to have an A plus life, you know, life at home. Yeah. Same thing with health. Definitely. And that's what I love it for because it is that constant. You can always rely on it to prove to yourself, yes, I put in the work. Yes, I'm consistent. Now just bring it to business and trust myself. Yes. Well, I like what you said about like how like with business, like it's not only up to you. There are so many external factors that are going to come into whether or not you make money. Like yeah. you can do your best and everything. Sometimes it might not work out. But with fitness, you can know absolutely 100% it's a mathematical equation that if you yeah. you know do a certain amount of exercises and if you eat a certain amount of food you're gonna look a certain way exactly and it's it's ten times out of ten that's how it's gonna work out yep where with you know everything else yeah. so you once you master the market you yeah. can't control those things but you can always control fitness and that's where that's like your like barometer that's where you stay yeah consistent with it. well and that's another thing that like um like fitness is one way that like I choose to validate myself in the way that I'm I'm gonna explain that is like I know a lot of my value comes from the fact that i'm a fit like strong person yeah and like where some people validate themselves with money like and that's how that they know that like or whatever that they justify themselves that they're a high value person or whatnot is because they made a lot of money yep but when they do that when when you validate yourself with money you're going to realize you're going to attract the other right. people are going to validate you by your money and that's why you attract and you you know you run into the problems of Oh, like my wife's a gold digger, any of these kinds of things. Right, right, right. Is if I validate myself knowing that I'm a strong fit individual. And then another thing I love that you said is like one thing is I just I'm a positive guy. Yeah. Like that that's the reason why I'm valid, why I'm high value is because I'm always gonna see the best in everything and I'm not gonna let any kind of negativity in my life. Yep. And that's enough. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is that's enough. Oh, I mean, dude, it is like the, which by the way all of this started from my like fitness journey yeah is from that is when i've started to realize and like comb out all these other pieces of my life where i was like i realized like there were some things that i was like negative about like um i i would would make fun of people like yeah like you know not like to their faces or anything but like you know me and my girlfriend would you know see somebody make fun of them or like i'm driving down the street and i see somebody and like i'd being i don't know something dude that totally I, I know exactly what you're saying And now it's like I, I need to get rid of that like why am i putting that energy out there and then just making s even the subtle changes of that of yeah. like when i walk by somebody like for instance like i don't like because i hold myself to such a high standard like somebody who's like super obese and fat i don't fucking like that shit yeah. but i realized it's like i need to stop judging them and putting that energy out there because i don't know whatever i just need to be accepting of it yeah sure it's not for me but yeah. instead of when i see them and being like oh what the fuck you know it's just like no yeah it's whatever they're doing their own thing they're they're in their own race over there whatever yeah. it is yeah and i do the same thing and i try to do i try to go back to myself and say why do i care um and i i 
similar to that point, like if I'm at the gym and there's just some idiot there, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's just like the idiot, <laughs> yeah. right? Like the dude that's screaming in the gym and I'm like, God, this guy's a fucking loser. <laughs> yep. You know, in my head and I'm like making fun of him in my head. I'm like, why do you care? You know, like, and, and, and sometimes too, it's like really stupid stuff where I'm like making fun of someone in my head that really shouldn't be made fun of. And I'm like, there's a reason for that. And mm-hmm. I look back at myself as like, is it because of something that I'm not doing enough of? Yes. You know, and a lot of times that's the case. Otherwise, I just truly wouldn't care. Dude, I, I think I think the habit comes down is to always just being able to analyze everything inwards of why is yeah. like the, everything comes back to me. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. For, for anything I don't like somebody about or, or whatever it is, it comes back to me. And it's awareness because yeah. these things are going to pop up, but it's how quickly you're aware of them and you you know, fix them, address them, whatever it is, or choose to go whatever direction with them. Well, and here, here's the best thing about this path when you start going down it of self-improvement and of fixing yourself is that it's the hardest in the beginning. Yeah. Like once you, like, you start to just bite off these huge chunks, and then after it's just slow refinements, like you said, it moves a lot more into the micro. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then you're just you're just barely moving the sail rather than changing direction of the ship. Yeah. Which you know. same thing is is your fitness. Like it's a lot easier. Like once right. you look the like, way okay, you do. Okay, I'm five pounds heavier than I wanted to be. Let's tighten it up here. Not losing twenty five right. pounds from like just getting that whole thing moving. Right. 100%. Well, so this is where I'm at the point with with Matt Hoodie. So I was like two hundred twenty. I was in the mid two twenties, somewhere like that, when I started with him. Right now I'm one ninety five. Nice. And I'm still not as cut as I want to be. But it's like I've ran out of runway here. I've been eating 1,750 calories for I don't even know how long. And it's like, fuck, dude, it's not really adjusting. He's like, well, look, here's the thing. is you've gotten to this point, right? Like you've worked and you've had to lose this, what, 30 pounds. Yeah. Next time you do this, we're going to reverse diet you up, get you to maintenance. The next time you do it, you're only going to have to lose whatever, 5, 10 pounds. Yeah. And also... You know, we're going to get your your maintenance calories up to, like, a good amount. We're, we're going to do that metabolic reconditioning. And then it's like you don't have to cut down all the way to no, 1,700 no. calories. And what you'll notice, too, when he does that is that your glycogen stores will fill more. So your muscles will be more full. Yeah. And your veins will go crazy. Dude, that's what he said. He, he's, he was saying, so um, he's like, this next week, I would schedule to, like, shoot a bunch of content in the gym because you're going to look great. Cause yeah. You're, you've been deprived for so long. Your skin will get thinner from the muscle pressing against it. Yeah. And that's where the, the reverse dieting is like. Oh, I'm stoked. I've looked my best probably a week or two after he's done that. That's exactly what he said. He said yeah. that the next week or two is when you're That's when I'm like, holy shit, this, is, this doesn't feel right. I should look like this. So what did your, what did your um, like change look like? Like what were you eating uh, when you finished the cut? And then what did it move into? So on the, on the initial cut, I think we... I think we were down to like 275 for carbs. It's always carbs because the protein usually stayed the same. Yeah. Fat stayed the same. It's maybe let's say it's 275 carbs and then I don't know 100. No, not 100. Like 200 grams of protein. And how then, much do you weigh now? Uh, 194. Okay. And then we we tried bringing in high days where we went to like 440 in carbs. So we jumped it quite a bit. And those high days worked really well. And then when we reverse dieted, we just went right from like. 270 or 280 actually no i got up to 300 because we needed to ramp up my carbs because i was getting i was coming down too fast so i went from like 300 to 440 and then when i reverse dieted we just jumped right to 440 and then i actually started to get more lean oh it's, shit. yeah as crazy as that sounded, and then we had to bump it up higher and higher and then he kept pushing it and pushing it and then we got up to like you know, 530 yeah it's 
crazy. Well, that's insane. Is you can look the way you are and eat how many fucking calories a day? Yeah. What are you like? What it, like? Walk me through like a day eating for you. Just just enthuse me because right now I'm like dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go back to like let's go back like a week before I started the cut. I'm still. I mean, this is like two days into it. So. Uh, in the morning, I'd have those. Have you seen those bagels he has? Those better bagels? Yeah, yeah. I have one of those. These stupid cat cookies from Trader Joe's. Like kid food, right? Okay. And then um, I'd pound some egg whites, a couple rice cakes, and then get to work. And it was like, I've been eating more, I guess, clean, you'd say. But it would be like a cup of rice and four ounces of beef. And then same thing, but with chicken. Have that three times. And I'm like snacking on pretzels all day. Wait, three times? So, like, three different meals of, like, basically a protein and rice. Throughout the day? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. While I'm also snacking on a bunch of other carbs. And then, even with that, I would do, like, I'd have, like, a little pack of gummy bears before I work out. Yeah. I'd have carbs while I work out. And then, when I got home, I still had, like, 240 grams of carbs. Oh, my. And I'd be like, I wish I would have eaten it more at work. And then, dude, I just, I'm, like, so weird with the food. But I'll have that low-fat mac and cheese from trader joe's a chicken burrito from trader joe's and then freaking candy like man child dude i <laughs> i fucking love candy so much yeah so like i'm so and so i tested that too like like there i had some skeptics because like you're gonna screw up your insulin you're gonna screw this up i'm like okay like i guess let, let's check it out then so like i literally ate candy every single night and then i had my blood work done all my lipids all my yeah. like all my um whatever you'd call it, all my hormones were, like, spot on. Actually, better than they've ever been. Because yeah. I do um, HRT because I screwed myself up bodybuilding. Um, me too. Yeah, so I do that. So I do my blood work regularly, and it's never looked better. And I'm eating yeah. a shit ton of carbs, and they're not great carbs. Yeah. But my body's just using it. And I think, like, my theory on it is if you overeat them, it'd be like spilling gas outside of your car. If it's in your car and it's getting consumed, it's, it's gas. But when it goes out of your car, I think that's where the quality makes a huge yeah. difference. Because you're overeating. That's the problem. People are overeating. Yeah. It's not that this type of food, it's like, no, it's, it's you're overeating. Yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing that I feel like I've gotten a much better relationship with when it comes to, like, portioning. Because, like, before, like, it, like I really like to, I, I like to eat. I like good food. So it's like, fuck, dude, I'll eat a bunch of it. But now it's yeah. like I'm able to just appreciate, like, having, yeah. you know, a regular It's weird. Serving. You, like, teach yourself that portion control yeah it's cool i mean he's got it dialed too you, oh, so tell me about your bodybuilding career yeah so um let's see when i started that right out of college i did it i think that was the first time i competed it was like about a year out of college um no i was actually still in college um that was that was weird so i first met with my coach it was troy tate um about i think we did like 14 weeks to cut in like i was pretty bulked up Mm -hmm. And then uh, I thought it was like we were going to work out every week and it was just diet. And so we would just it was like he was super strict too, like no seasoning, nothing. And the calories were like super low. Carbs were super low. And basically we'd cut in for the show. I'd get down to like uh, like three or four percent body fat, like two Jeez. weeks before the show. And it's like the worst feeling in the world. That's what I've heard. Oh, it's terrible. Like it's it is it is terrible. Like you're so depleted and it starts screwing because you need carbs for your brain so your brain starts to go and you're just like stressed out in like this drained sick feeling yeah and my second show was the worst and my second show was where i got i'll show you pictures after but that's where i got the most shredded and i was like over i was over dieted and 
basically what we're doing all the way up to the show was replacing like we were replacing food with drugs and i was taking like if you gave me a list of shit you could take legal shit you could take i was taking like 80 percent of it really? at least yeah and that's how we dieted into that show and it felt so bad you're depleted the hormones are screwing with you and um and then after that i was like oh, this is this is bad news the third show though i did with just hrt just 200 milligrams of test and i actually looked the best i was really? more full yep it was like a i think it was a 10-week diet into it yeah it wasn't as terrible but still dude when you're when you have to shave that little bit off that's when it's like just death yeah like it sucks every single day sucks dude I, yeah. it's very selfish sport well here's the thing is i I'm, I'm interested i was talking to uh devin burr about it mm-hmm. um i know devin forever yeah. I, I actually met him competing oh really yeah so he uh i just got to meet him just like through temp yep and uh, i've always followed him and stuff but he was talking about bodybuilding and he was saying like 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 so my dad used to run marathons and he said like yeah if you want to learn self-discipline like going and running a marathon is a great way to do it and Devin was pretty much saying the same thing about bodybuilding. 100%. He's like, bro, you the, just how dialed you have to be and like the amount of self-control you have to have is... The most mentally testing thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because it's not like you have a spurt of doing it. You're doing that for weeks on end. Yeah. And you know, you know, I'd be like four weeks out and be like, I don't know if I can do this. And I still have four weeks left of this. <laughs> and it's like 50 minutes of cardio. And then I got to, you know, 50 minutes later. of cardio while you're depleted too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like 50 minutes of cardio is not terrible if you've got food. Yeah. When it's like every step, like you f- feel like nauseous. And lifting just sucks. Like you don't get any kind of pump. You're fucking Nothing. weak. Like No, just stringy. Yeah. Yeah. But I learned so much about discipline. Like yeah. so much about discipline. Well, I think I want to do it uh, honestly strictly for the Instagram optics. Just to yeah. be like, hey, look, I'm doing this. And also over here, I got this going on. But uh, I would say do it. I know I know what you're gonna do though. You're not gonna half-ass it, so just be ready to yeah. <laughs> freaking suck. And then uh, the nice thing is too, when you get that shredded and you get—I don't know how you died into it—but when you peel yourself back that far, when you fill back up, you get new muscle you were not gonna have before. Yeah. Like every time I dieted down that low, I brought on new muscle that just wouldn't have gotten there. You get, you become like extremely anabolic when you go out of that starved state yeah. into, you know, nourishment. Well, I think especially if you do it right, like the way that Matt Hoodie would you yeah. know, show and you. And that's where I think it would probably be a different experience because I only know like typical freaking hard-headed bodybuilding. Yeah. And it was a lot of drugs, really low carbs, high protein, bring it down and then load up the day before. And I don't think that's how it's, I don't think that's how it would be done anymore. Yeah. So my, my problem is, so I, I'm also on like TRT yep. and also I'm a pretty young person for it, but, um, basically I don't know what it was, but I went and got my, my blood tested and my, uh, total test was like three, it was in the three hundreds Yeah. and I'm a 24 year old, like man, like should not be there. And so, uh, it's because I'm on TRT. If I did have to compete, I would have to be in like whatever kind of open division of, yep. Right, you can kind of do whatever, and that's the thing is I don't really want to like take a bunch of gear. Like prospect yeah. of that kind of scares me. I don't want to. I'll show you the my... pictures, dude, because I don't think that you need that much. Yeah. No, I was. It was literally just that was it, and then um, I think we did a little bit of diuretics toward the end, which suck. That's just to clean out all your water, right? Yeah, it's like blood pressure medication. I think is what it was. I forgot what it was that we took, but 
like you already feel really drained and then you take this and it's like this dragging feeling like you're like sucked to the ground yeah but then when you do that it's like dude you see you look like an anatomy chart (laughs) like it's insane like there was parts of it too where i'm just like staring at myself i'm like what the fuck holy shit (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy and and i mean dude just for just to do it one time and to get yourself to look like that i think is worth it yeah because you'll have those pictures forever Right. And it's a different level of shredded. Yeah. Well, and that's it. I mean, look, it, this is something I love to do. Might yeah. as well get myself like, I'm not going to live my entire life and never like not get there. Right. No, exactly. Well, dude, it's like anything. And you're, you're that kind of person where it's like someone is into hiking and they're super, super, you know, motivated. They're going to go freaking hike Everest or whatever yeah. it is. If this is your thing, then do it. Yeah. You've got the discipline for it. And you'll prove something to yourself. There's, there's mostly upside to it <clears throat> as long as you don't do it and then get obsessed with it yeah because if you do it and get obsessed with it and think that you're going to start a career out of it i'm like don't don't do that yeah well that's <laughs> i see a, friends that's do that a, i'm like don't do that yeah I, dude i don't i wouldn't never want to bro i don't think that like when it comes i don't think there's any there i shouldn't say any but when it comes to like being a professional athlete on any level i'm not interested dude no like especially bodybuilding I, you're destroying your body doing it any kind of like fighting sports fuck that yeah, football. I'm not doing that. Like, you couldn't pay me money to go be an NFL player. I don't care no. how much. No, I'm not getting like my shit, no, my dude. clock cleaned all the time. No, on my brain. You would. I don't think you'd enjoy those things either if that were the case. Yeah, especially not bodybuilding. Yeah, I think you gotta have to, to be on that crazy pro level. You gotta have something wrong with you. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them. I've seen them like talk about it, and they're like, yeah, you know, they they got some demons they're fighting. Yeah, they've been through some shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely, I think that um, just, I mean, from talking to you, who've done it, who's done it before, and Devin, who said a lot of the same things, I think that it is something that I, uh, I'm gonna have to do eventually. Yeah, I should do it. Yeah, yeah. So what, what about the, uh, the, the spray tans? You gotta tell me about that. That's like, <laughs> dude, I was always pale as shit up until the show, and then you just go in this little freaking looks like those lights, like yeah. this little dome thing, and they just spray you down, and you're like freaking orange <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever what about the posing so do, did your coach spend a lot of time like working on the poses and whatnot yep. that's a lot of it yeah a lot of it yeah you find your you you know kind of hide your weak points and express other things but there's a whole art to that yeah and you can see you you can see who is professionally coached and who's not based yeah. on their posing and you can see like someone with huge potential gets up there poses like an idiot stays all tight and they're not like because you really what you have to do is anything that should be tight needs to be as tight as possible anything that should be wide like your back needs to be look as big as possible and you can just see from posing like just a couple little things yeah. and then also with that there's like endurance with posing dude it, that shit is no joke yeah like, when you're up there on stage your adrenaline's going that the second show i did was in california i almost went to the hospital after it really yeah because i was so depleted and they did i was in two classes and they did those classes back to back i was backstage for like five minutes after my first uh, the first one where I had to do posing and then back out there, you know, not even five minutes later. And I was so freaking depleted. I was like, I, th- I felt like I was going to die. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's bad. Well, dude, you're standing there. I mean, people don't realize like you got to stand there. You're flexing every single, like from your legs, everything. Like you said, your back, it doesn't even matter. Even if you're right, like yeah. all of this and all of that is hard work in itself. Not to mention your current state of nutrition. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like it's this health competition where you're the unhealthiest you've been your whole life. Yeah. 
pretty crazy how it's like that. Yeah, yeah, but it's just for that period. I mean, it's 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 safe, especially if you're not doing a bunch of drugs. The diuretics are the dangerous part. Yeah, depending on the diuretic, definitely a dangerous part because you're screwing with all of your your pH level. You're screwing with so much stuff, yeah. all of your hormones, and you could get you know you can get really sick really fast doing that. Well, I'm I'm also scared like. Just because I've talked and it's like I don't really know like if there would be other compounds added on like and I've just heard some things about you know people who start taking gear and it's like it becomes very addictive. It's like once you look and feel a certain way, like you kind of keep going after that. Well, that's what I was doing. That was me into the second show. Yeah, and you know my coach at the time kept pushing more and more and more, and so when we came off that second show, we were going into a bulk and dude, it was like. I thought we were going to take a break from it. He's like, no, we're going to be doing a CC a week. Not a CC. We're going to do 1,000 milligrams a week of test and 1,000 oh. milligrams a week of EQ Holy to bulk shit. up. And I was like, a gram a freaking week, dude? What are your what, what are your test levels? Like, What are your free test levels? I never got checked for it. So when he did that, I asked him, well, like, shouldn't we go get, a, like, shouldn't we get my blood work done? And he told me, no, don't worry about it. And I, that right when he said that, I just stopped completely. And then, like, two months later, got my blood work done. My total test was at 56. Oh, shit. I was a freaking chick, Shit. Dude. Yeah. Damn. I was, like, straight up freaking gender reassignment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, dude. Yeah, and then, like, because we want, like... Uh, my wife and I were talking. We were like, "Well, we want to have kids eventually." So I went yeah. and got my blood work checked, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And one of the doctors said, "He's like, yeah, if you can have kids, it's gonna be really tough." I was like, "Fuck!" I just screwed up my whole life. Doing yeah, that. you know. So that was like very real, and that, that that scared the crap out of me. And then one of my buddies from the gym is a chiropractor, but he knows way too much about hormones. He put me on this crazy PCT regimen, and then like a month after that, we started trying, and boom, pregnant with twins. Yeah, I was like, thank. Well, that's something that I was worried about, it just, like, starting, like, TRT at a young age and, like, the fertility thing. Yeah. That's something I need to go do is, like, get my fertility checked and yeah. figure out, do whatever I need to do on that end. Yeah, and, and you know, <clears throat> the second time, so with Phoebe, it took longer. It took, like, six months. Yeah. Like, and it was, because the thing that sucks is when you come off of it, you you get tired, and, and my test was at, like, it'll sit at, like, 2.30 normally, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not freaking... I'm not optimal at that. No. I'm right now. I'm running. I'm probably I don't know, probably the seven, eight hundred, nine hundred range, and I I know how I can perform in my entire life like this. Yeah. Now, when you take that away and lose the energy, it sucks. Yeah. But it's just it's a sacrifice you make for that little time. Well, this is something I've wondered. So it was about the same time that I started TRT, that I it was actually it was a couple of weeks after that is like when I quit drinking. I started doing like everything I needed to do on social media, started having a lot more success in my business. And I wonder how much of that attributes to like finally being the person that like I'm supposed to be yeah. biologically. Yeah. You know? Where no, it's totally. Like, and it's really hard to like explain that. And and that's why I like especially like not to get into politics, but it really bothers me that it's not like, okay, if we're gonna do this shit that's going on right now open up hormones for dudes Jesus Christ, you know like make it right. a little easier like i get it you can go to a doctor and it's pretty it's pretty easy now yeah but like still they're under scrutiny you know yeah. and their performance enhancement drugs i'm like i'm not competing in any sport like are, do, should i not be taking performance enhancement drugs for life yeah so i could be more successful like come on dude well no i i completely agree with you but i th i think that when it comes down to and i don't know if that's like conspiracy theory about it but like i think that like if you are in charge 
and you've got like you know you need to control a bunch of people you probably don't want a bunch of high test dudes running around yeah because they're gonna they're gonna be more brave they're gonna be more strong and they're gonna take more risk yeah and that would be a real threat right to someone trying to gain control I've, I've, i'm right there with you dude so but here's the thing is i don't know like what is the reason like why are testosterone levels dropping across the board like crazy like i think like the average, like they say now, like normal is between like 300 and 600 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, you know, it, it gets blamed on diet, but even at that, I think it just gets, I think a lot of it's just like this, it's comfort. Yeah. You know, it's comfort in society. Like things are know, too easy nowadays. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you should feel good in your body, this and that. Like, I'll just say it. And it's like, well, that's unhealthy. I, you know, like, like, I get like there's the bravery part of it and I commend them for that. But like Lizzo, like, dude, that's not a good message to send out you because can, your yeah, kids you cannot, you're showing people that that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, not okay whatsoever. And also it's not beautiful either. No, it it's not. terrible. It's, sick. <laughs> yeah. it's actually sick, you know? And so it, like, yeah. And that's, that's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that all attributes that. Like, it's like, I think society really just, puts it out there just pat yourself on the back you've done enough yeah well you here's haven't the thing. done enough we, we, we've gotten to the point where like i feel like just so many basic needs are just it's completely taken care of yeah and everything is so good like you know dude we have air conditioning like <laughs> everywhere oh, like nobody is starving in america like you know it's it everything is just so taken care of where it's like we gotta find little things to yeah yeah yeah, know. no, dude, I'm totally, I totally hear you there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope the, I, I don't, I just don't know how you reverse the trend of like how it's going on. Like that's something I think about. It's like how do we make it so? Like that's one reason. Like, like when it comes to like the rebellion, yeah. you know, and the why we call it that is because I want to, like, I'm trying to find other people who are like, fuck that, dude. Well, I think you're making an impact with it, and I think that's most of what you can control. You know, like what if you think of anything that would make an impact. There's not much you can do aside from being an example. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, yeah. if people look up to you, you encourage them, you know, and, and you pull like the, the bully stigma from it and like let help people realize they can believe in themselves and they can have they can have these things. And you've said that before. It's like anyone can be better looking. Anyone can can be fit. Like mm -hmm. get it out of your head that you can't. Right. You know, and don't do, you know, don't use comforts of like that's wrong for them to do that or this that it's like i get it that's its own thing but like if it's an issue for you then yeah then focus on that and mm -hmm. you can be better right someone needs to tell you you can be better and then not just say no it's okay yeah you're you're safe here it's okay you, you need an asshole sometimes to kind of yeah. tell you like especially when you fall back on an excuse or a, there's so many freaking diagnoses like like you can diagnose yourself with like 10 different mental illnesses and then you're sensitive to this food or this or that and that's why you look and feel like shit yeah. it's like you look and feel like shit because you're not taking care of yourself <laughs> exactly that's the bottom line dude it? there's nothing there's no kind of condition you can have like it, it doesn't no. exist out there that, that why you can't like look great and take care of yourself no like i've, I've heard i saw some crazy like, people talk about oh no my thyroid is something and i saw like there's the like the difference of like people who do have that thyroid issue is like 
100 to like 150 calories a day in metabolic burn. <laughs> I can see like, that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But if you can give someone a diag, like if you can diagnose them with something, then they can fall back and on that. that crutch. Yeah, yeah. It's a crutch. It's like, this is why I am. It's not because of me. It's yeah. because of this. If you, yeah. Because it, it hurts to say it's because of you. Yeah. But that's the truth. Yeah. And that that's the only way you're going to actually ever get better. Otherwise, I mean, that's just like, let's go on to more conspiracies. Big pharma, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. A lot of money to be made off of sick people. Dude, a lot of money to be made off of sick people. And I think everybody had, we got a cure for all your problems. We need you to stay up all day. Got you. You need something to fall asleep at night. I got you, bro. Mm -hmm. Let's we'll just have this and you pay us some money for it. And, and it's not your fault. Take this medicine. Yes. Yeah. Dude, there's this. I read this book. It was on the uh, Sackler family. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's Empire of Pain. And so the Sackler. Oh, that's the. Uh, that's the uh, Whatever, what, uh, what's the what's the drug? The oxycotton. Yeah, I watched the show, the, the Netflix show on that. Yeah. Oh my god, it's wild. Well, dude, I think I'd be really interested because I I read this book and I, I was I was super into it. And it was talking about how like, dude, they're tied in everything, bro. Like the whole reason how that came about is like, dude, they ran all the like the all the information, like the magazines and like the newspapers for medical professionals. They were doing that. They were saying, hey, yeah, you got to use our drugs that we're making. They owned the drugstore, and then they were on the FDA. Like, they had the whole thing. It was just all one guy. It's just this Sackler dude. Yeah. And that's the Wild. reason why the proliferation of Oxycontin and Vicodin and all these different things that he made. Yeah, it's wild. The show's called Dope Sick. Dope Sick. <clears throat> yeah. And I thought it was, like, exaggerated, and then I look it up, and I'm like, holy shit, that's all facts. It's terrible. Wild. Dude, I, that, I think that when you look at, like, things that really need reform, it's, number one is, like, the healthcare, yeah. like, what's going on with that and the pharma. It's like, dude, I saw a good, really good analogy to this. Say, if you take your dog to the to the vet and, and it's, like, overweight or something, they're like, dude, you need to, like, feed it less, exercise it more. You take the same person, an overweight person, the doctor, like, okay, you need to take these, here's your prescriptions that you need to start taking, this and that. Yeah. Why do we take better care of our pets than we do ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Dude, I mean, I don't know. That needs to change. I think, I don't know, I don't know the solution for, like, public education, but I think whatever is going on, I mean, you know, it's just they're teaching. As far as you and I, it's just making a, a, a bigger impact and um, being an example, I think. Yeah. And to, uh, to my kids. Absolutely. And to, to their friends and, and, and whatever. Yeah. You know, and it's putting a positive twist on it. I think that's it. That's yeah. all we can do, you know? Well, I, I think it's definitely a good place to start. 100%. Yeah. Well, hey, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, awesome. It was super valuable for me. Um, Likewise. I got a lot to <laughs> I want to ask you still. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, again, uh, anybody you guys need to check out uh, Matt's stuff, it was mweber888 on Instagram. Yep. Go ahead, see what he's got going on there. Uh, guys, if you're watching this video on YouTube, please make sure to drop a like. Uh, give a comment about something you learned. Um, share the video with somebody who might get value from this. And if you guys are listening on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else, um, I really appreciate it if you would take the time to leave a review. It helps me. I want to learn what I can do better and what you guys are currently liking. But as always, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on the next one.